I shouldn't be surprised when God does things the way he does. So often I come up here and I speak of how Brother Ed just not knowing exactly where I was headed and what he just did. I feel like we could just close service right now. Even, and Brother Ed, you didn't know this, but this morning as I came in, in here and I was singing songs and praising, I put on the song, The Way He Came, which is the song you just read. And I sat here and worshipped the Lord over that song And I said, you know what? I need the words of that song so that I can read it during the message. Well, they're right here. As Brother Ed has printed them out and also read to them to you. It's a joy to come into this place this morning. And as we get started, I want to pray my life verse and just ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. As you're going to hear a a message, scripture that you may have memorized, that you've heard Every year at this time. But I pray that it comes to life to you in your heart. And that it's just not something that we just move on through and walk through the Christmas season and totally miss the importance of it all. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you and we praise you. God, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is none like you, as the scripture says. God, with your breath, you created the world that we live on. God, with your breath, you breathed life into us. And God, it's with the word of God that you spoke. And Lord, that when we believe in you and Christ alone, that our lives are transformed from death to life. God, I pray that this morning as we speak the breath of the living God, as we go into the book of Luke that you breathed out, God, may it truly go into our hearts. Lord, I pray that my message and preaching are not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of the power so that your faith and my faith, God, would not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of the living God. And Lord, we know that this word says that the word of God will not come back void. And so we trust in that promise today. And we ask you to speak. Lord, it's for your glory. Remove me off this stage, O God. And let it simply just be the presence of Christ in this place. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you'll flip to the book of Luke chapter 2. We're going to actually go right into the verses that Brother Ed just read just a few minutes ago. I want you to think about something as we get started. Many of you in this room have had children. My wife and I have had two children, Samuel and Emmy Grace. And when the birth of your child happens, so often, especially in today's culture, we send out pictures first maybe immediately after in text messages or emails for people to see the birth of that child but a lot of times within a few months we send out a card to people as an announcement to let them know hey Samuel David Bullock was born on October 24th We want people to know that our child was born and that that God has blessed us with life. Many of you have done that 
in your life. And you know how important that is for people to realize. And even before that, because I believe that life starts at conception, even before that, nowadays we do all these special things to let people know that somebody is pregnant. They'll have some type of of get-together and and all of a sudden maybe somebody's wearing a shirt that says best little brother or or big brother or whatever. You know, all these different things will, will come about because we want people to know that life has taken place and we're so excited about it. Think about the mother when they found out they were pregnant and then they speak that and they let people know. And many of you can, can understand that. Maybe the guys you are fearful in that moment. But that's such a powerful moment because all of a sudden you want to share with the world what's taken place. Well, Luke chapter 2 is God's way of announcing the birth of His Son. Now, I don't know about y'all, Samuel David is pretty precious to me. Emmy Grace is pretty precious to me. But the Son of God, Jesus, the Savior of the world, who, in Philippians 2 says, just a few little while ago, he was right there with God, and he emptied himself and became a bondservant. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, I'm going to announce that my son has been born. Luke chapter 2. Now in light of that, and knowing what emotions that swells up inside of you, thinking about the excitement of of the birth of your own child, let's see what God does. It says in verse 8, it says, In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people, not just for you, the shepherds, not just for the religious people, not just for the kings, not for just the right. No, it's, it's for all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then I love this. I don't know about y'all, but this is like, this is just my God. Like, this is how big he is. This is how awesome he is. Then he says this. Or then, and suddenly there appeared with, an, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men whom he has pleased. All of a sudden, God says, hey, we're going to announce it and we're going to announce it right. He sends an angel of the Lord and he says, hey, Let me just tell you today, the Savior, Christ, the Lord, has been born. What does that do inside of you? Let me just tell you something. To me, it makes me want to go more crazy than when I said Samuel David Bullock was born. Why? Because this is the Savior of the world. They're announcing, they're saying, hey, the Savior has come. For all this time, they've been waiting, all the way since Genesis chapter 3, since the fall of man. There's been this expectation that the Savior would come. Right before this time period, there's the 400 years of silence. And I'm sure people were just thinking, well, 
When's he going to come? Is he really going to come? What's going to happen? I'm sure it's the same thought that we have sometimes with, well, when's, when's Christ coming back? When, when's that going to happen? Is it going to be today? Is it going to be tomorrow? It's the same type of thought process. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, here it comes. And he makes that announcement. And he says, all of a sudden, there's thousands of angels that show up. And they say, glory to God in the highest. You know, when we sing that song, Angels We Have Heard on High, and I know that just a minute ago we sing it. And as we sing that, it says, Glory, right? I, I can't really sing that well this morning. In excelsis Deo. That means Gloria, means glory. In excelsis means in excellence. Deo means deity or God. And so it means literally translated glory and excellence to God. We view that in our English definition as glory be to God in the highest. So let me ask you this question. What happens in your heart when you realize that the Savior has been born today? When it says in the scripture, the Savior has been born, that Jesus stepped down, Philippians chapter 2, in order to come as a human being so that you could be saved. What does that do in your heart? Like, I don't know about y'all, but it should make you shout for joy. And even the angel says, I bring you great news, good news of great joy. I've heard it said that that's joy squared. That's like joy times joy. Like so much joy that you can't even explain how much joy that is. Like just excitement. Like like you just can't explain how excited you are. Why? Because up until this point... There was no Savior that was there on the scene for us to have salvation. It's even stated in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8-9. through 9. I want you to see this. It says, And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but you believe, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, And full of glory. Why? Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. You say, David, so so we're supposed to have joy that's, that's inexpressible. Why? Because the Savior has been born in Bethlehem. Because God's perfect plan is coming to fruition so that we can be saved. And so we see the birth announcement. And the first thing I want you to see in Luke chapter 2 is that it is a birth announcement. There is great joy that has taken place. And it's for all people that the Savior, who is Christ, has been born. I also want you to see that it was today in the city of Bethlehem or in the city of David. Now, who was David? Many of y'all know that David was a, a mighty king. He, If you memorize the 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 walk through the Bible, they say David had a full heart for God, Saul had no heart for God, and Solomon had half a heart for God. That's just one of the ways you can remember kind of how they, um, <clears throat> how they walked during their time. But David, before he was king, he was a shepherd boy. And in 1 Samuel, we see the calling on David's life. As a shepherd boy, he's out in, in, watching his sheep, and, and, and they come to Jesse. Samuel comes to Jesse, and he says, Hey, you know, let's look at your, your, your children. And verse chapter 16, I'm going to get it in a minute, verse 7, it says this. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance as he looked at the very first son of Jesse. He said, do not look at his appearance or at his height or statue because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. If you skip on down and you see and um, <clears throat> skip all the way down into verse. Yes, verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all your children? He said, no, there remains yet the youngest. And behold, he is tending the sheep. And then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. For we will not sit down until he comes here. Verse 12. I want you to see this. So he brought him in. Now he was ready with beautiful eyes and handsome in appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for he is the one. The city of David, of Bethlehem, was named after a shepherd boy, David. You say, David, why is this important? Because just a second, who is the birth announcement to? But it's to the shepherds. I want you to see in just a second the connection of the shepherds. But look at Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says this, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago and from the days of eternity. It says this little humble town of Bethlehem would be chosen for the birth of the Messiah. So the first thing I want you to see is the birth announcement. The second thing I want you to see is that it's to the shepherds. Which is why I believe that it's important that it's in the city of David. Obviously it's because of prophecy being fulfilled. But also the shepherd boy David, the humility of heart of David. I believe that when you look at the shepherds and you say, why did they announce it to the shepherds? It's because they were of humble and heart. They were people who God was showing that, hey, this is for all people, for all mankind. I'm coming to those who will humble themselves before the great I am. The shepherd was one who would basically be out with the sheep and not necessarily with the people. It would be a blue-collar type of job. It would be somebody, if you looked at the educational system and those who were trying to be rabbis and religious people, they wouldn't have made it in that system. And ultimately, they went back and they, they did what the family did. They, they would have been shepherds. This would have been God showing that He's come for all people. It would have been the lowly. And I love what, what He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says this, Where's the wise among you? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Skip over to verse 26. And it says this. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of this world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. Verse 30 and 31 it says, But by, doing, by, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 
so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. This scripture is telling us that God chooses the humble at heart to shame the pride, to shame the proud. He says that he uses the humble at heart to show that God has come for all mankind as we see the shepherds are the ones that are being announced to. I also believe, I also believe that the shepherds had ears that they could hear. If the angels would have spoken to the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day, I don't necessarily believe that they would have had the ears to hear that the Messiah had been born. That, the, that the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, even King Herod, and you saw what takes place in those, those scriptures, they would not have had the ears to hear because they had expectations of what they wanted it to look like. Last Christmas, I preached on the idea of your will, your way, God. But the Pharisees would have said, hey, my way, your will. I want you as king. We want a king, but we want it our way. And King Herod would have said, hey, my will, my way. But not the shepherds. Not the humble at heart. They humble themselves before the great I am. And I believe that they had ears that they could hear. And so God sent his birth announcement to those who were at humble at heart. So that they would go forth to Bethlehem to worship the king. So there was a birth announcement. It was to the shepherds. King David, as we saw, the the city being named, Bethlehem being a humble place, David being a shepherd boy. But there was many patriarchs throughout the Old Testament that were also shepherds. The third thing I want you to see is this, is that because of the joy of what has taken place, it moved the shepherds to action. If you look at this scripture, you'll see that there is no command for the shepherds to go to Bethlehem. It doesn't say, okay, now get up and go to Bethlehem. No, let's read it again just so you can see it. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. And suddenly, by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly the angels appeared and they began to sing. It never says in there, shepherds, go. If you study Mary, the angel comes to Mary and says that this is what's going to take place to you. And she says, let it be as it has been spoken. She even calls herself a bondservant. I love that verse. If you look at Joseph, the angel comes to Joseph and says, you need to take Mary as your bride. And so he does as the command was given to him. He follows in that. But there is no command in this scripture for them to go to Bethlehem. I believe that that's very important. And the reason is, is because I believe that when they realized that the Savior of the world was going to be in Bethlehem, they needed no command. They knew that they needed to go. They knew in that moment how big, how powerful, how awesome this moment was. And they wanted to see the Christ. They were not going to let anything stop them. They weren't going to sit there and say, well, let me pray about it. No, they said, 
The Savior of the world is here. And I want to see Him. I want to be there. I don't want to miss this moment. Let me ask you a question. How often do we get so tied down with, well, Lord, I need to pray about what your will is. I need to figure out, I need to to think. Listen, we don't have to pray about what God's will is for our life. His will for our life is for us to surrender our life to Him and to use our life for the glory, for His kingdom. To bring His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, as it says in Scripture. What we do pray about is how He wants to use us as in with that focus in mind. With that focus in mind, knowing what God's will is for our life, how does He desire for us to use us and in what occupation that would be? The shepherds were not given a call to go, but yet they were so overwhelmed by the fact that the Savior was here that they went. Some of you in this room may not know Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's calling you. But so often, there will be so many things in your life that you'll say, well, I got plenty of time. I I just don't know right now. We'll put all these distractions, all these things And you won't make that move towards the king. But the shepherd said, hey, I'm not going to miss the Savior. I'm going. I love what it says in verse 15. It says, when the angels had gone away from them into the heavens, the shepherds began to say to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened with the Lord has made known to us, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry. The third thing I want you to see is that the joy of the Savior moved them to action. The joy that Jesus Christ had come, the long expected, the wait was over, the Savior was here. And they went straight to Bethlehem. You know what that means? They didn't go home and take a shower. They didn't go put on their nicest robe. They did not go get cleaned up. They went just as they were. How often do we try to clean ourselves up before we run to the cross? How often do we try to clean ourselves up before we come into the church house where the church is? How often do we try to put on some type of facade in our lives so that we can look as if we're like something else? They didn't care. All they cared about was the Savior. They didn't care. Listen, the shepherds would have had like literally smelt like being out in the field all night. Good possibility they may have had uh, manure on them. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. A good possibility. But they didn't care about all the, what they looked like. They didn't care about what they smelled like. All they cared about was being next to the Savior, Jesus Christ, the King. And they went straight there. They didn't go to the left or to the right, or should I say the right or to the left? They didn't try to to make excuses. They ran quickly because they didn't want to miss it. And how often is that not the case in our life? The Lord took me back to Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. Brother Fred preached on this just a few weeks ago. And it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said, allow the dead to bury their own dead. 
But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another, he said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What we see here is three different examples of somebody saying, I want to go to the Savior, I want to go to the King. But they came up with some type of excuse and didn't go straight there. They decided to, to <clears throat> this was not what they wanted, or that's not what they wanted, or they wanted to do this, or they wanted to do that. They wanted to get cleaned up before they came. You know, church, I also share with you something I've shared with you before, and that was this, is that our job is to take people to the Savior. Our job is not to clean people up. Our job is to take them to the Savior and let the Savior change their life instead of us trying to clean them up to get them to the Savior. Do I want people to, to step out of the sins and the chains that are, that are so easily entangling them? Absolutely, but I know that only by the power of Jesus Christ can they do that. I know that I don't have the power to do that, but I know the one who does, and so I want to take them straight there. So we see here that they were overwhelmed by joy that the Savior that they had waited on was here. They didn't care what they looked like. I mean, honestly, if, if, if the birth announcement would have been to the Pharisees and Sadducees, can you imagine, hey, let's run home first. Let's get like really, really like, I mean, we got to make sure. Well, first off, they wouldn't have gone because it was a baby and that was humility and a place of... So, but, but even if they did, they would have been like, well, you know, we got we to look good because everywhere you see in the scripture, the Pharisees and Sadducees were all about letting people see their, their looks and, and, and what they did. When it talked about their money, they were like, you know, the, they would want people to see what they were doing with their prayers. They'd want people to hear what they were praying. Why? Because they were all about the outward focus. They would have been the ones who ran to go clean themselves up before coming to the Savior. But the birth announcement was no. It was to the humble at heart. It was to the ones who had ears that they could hear. And their action proved that. Their action without even a command was, we got to go straight there in a hurry. No detours. No stopping to clean ourselves up. We're going straight there because we want to see the Savior. It says in verse 16, and they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he laid in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary, she treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds. They heard the birth announcement. They were so overwhelmed with joy that was great joy, joy double time, joy squared, however you want to say it, so much joy they can't even describe it. And they go straight to Bethlehem, the humble city, to see the Savior who ultimately is the Good Shepherd. Here are the shepherds coming and bowing down before this child Jesus, the Savior, bowing down before Him who ultimately would be the Good Shepherd. I want you to see in the Scriptures that they came and they saw the Good Shepherd. John chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, I want you to see this as it describes Jesus. It says, To Him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear His voice. 
And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. And I love this. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. The shepherds, they come that night and they bow down ultimately before the good shepherd. But what's so beautiful is is that God has called us to follow the good shepherd. But what did the good shepherd do? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. Remember, Bethlehem, a small, humble little town. Shepherds, humble people that, that would have come that night to see a humble Savior. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, Have the attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ, who, exalt, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of men. And look at this. He says, he humbled himself. Now I want to stop there for a second, and I want you to see this. I understand the next part is extremely important, and we're going to get there, but I want you to see this as I was studying this. One theologian made the comment, said, isn't it interesting that Jesus, the good shepherd, came down to be like a sheep? He came down to be like a sheep, to live like the sheep, to fight off the wolves that the same sheep would have to fight off, and ultimately would lay down his life. Even Hebrews talks about it. Hebrews says that because of what Jesus, that what he went through, that he can now minister to us because he went through the exact same things that we go through. He walked through the same temptations that we would have as we see in the book of Matthew. He became like a sheep as this child, but ultimately he was the good shepherd. So the good shepherd now leads us and we follow him because we know his voice. Why? Because he humbled himself and became an infant, a child, so that we ultimately could have life. Not only did he humble himself to come down as a baby, as an infant king, but he humbled himself, as it says at the last part of Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. So in this Christmas story, we now see a humble little city of Bethlehem. We see the humble shepherds. We see a humble Savior who humbly went before, went to the cross, and humbly died on the cross. But praise God, the next verses in Philippians chapter 2, Verses 9 and 10 says that it is not over. He didn't just die and go away. I'm sure the evil one wishes that that would have been the case. But the good shepherd is not dead. It says, for this reason God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it says this. It says in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So you see all of this as we study the shepherds and we see what they did. One, we see that they get the birth announcement because they had ears that they could hear. They got the birth announcement because they were humble and not sitting there trying to lift themselves up. They got the birth announcement because they were willing to go to the king just as they were. And here they are, worshiping the good shepherd. The one who also humbled himself. There is a beautiful thread of humility throughout the whole birth story of Jesus. Which I think is interesting that Philippians chapter 2 at the very beginning it says, Have the attitude which is in Christ. Christ is telling us as the sheep who know the good shepherd's voice to follow him. And we also follow him in what? Humility. In humility. That thread of humility is so beautiful. But let me show you what happens in this story. In verse 19, But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds, they were changed. The shepherds had an experience with Jesus. Even as an infant, even as a little baby, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who did nothing more than than goo and ga in some sense. I mean, think about just a little baby, just, just the preciousness of that moment. And just seeing the King of kings and the Lord of lords in such a place of humility, in a manger bed. And he said, I love you enough that I would come, that I would empty myself and be in a place of humility so that ultimately I could bring life to you on the cross through the sacrifice. And after seeing the Savior of the world, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as it had been told to them. I believe that from looking at this scripture that there is no way that you can encounter Jesus without being changed. I believe that there is no way that you can truly encounter the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Great I Am and not have a transformation of your life outside of being simply prideful. But when you come before the King in all humility and you fall before the Great I Am, your life will be changed. As the shepherds left, they're praising and they're rejoicing and glorifying the king. Let me ask you a question, and I really don't want the answer to this. But how often do you leave here meeting and experiencing the king and letting him wash over you on Sunday and Wednesdays, and as you leave, you glorify and you praise his holy name as you're walking out the door? How often are we transformed when we come and we meet The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Savior, the great I am. The one who is now as a child, but but breathed and, and creation existed. The one who breathed and life came into us. And the one who ultimately would say, it is finished. On the cross. And the wrath, the pain, all the wages of sin would be broken. Because of this little baby. So let me ask you this question today. What what, what goes through your heart 
What goes through your mind? What, what, what happens when we mention that Jesus is born? Like, what happens? Is there joy that explodes within you because that's the Savior of the world? His perfect plan came to, to fulfillment that He is now here. And 30 years later, 32, 33 years later, He gave of His life. What happens in that moment? You know, if you tell the Christmas story to somebody who doesn't know anything about the Bible, they would look at you and say, that is the most weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, think about it. You know, here's Mary, a virgin, and all of a sudden is pregnant. Joseph could have left her, according to customs. They're called to Bethlehem, and they go to Bethlehem. She doesn't have any family with her when she gives birth, or at least we don't see that in the Scripture. Two young teenagers, and then all of a sudden shepherds out in the field with with a bunch of sheep are the only ones that even, even know about the king coming. But I believe that it was God's perfect plan, because it was His humility that we are to model. As Brother Fred read this, I just want to read it one more time. Isn't it amazing the way he came? No crown, no throne, no big parade. There was no fanfare played, no jubilant display. Isn't it amazing how he came? I can't believe that I would be the reason why he came. I can't believe he left his mighty throne. He became a pauper. So that I could be a king. He denied himself. And he made my heart his home. Isn't it amazing? Here's what I want to do today. In just a minute I'm going to share with you a few questions that I have for you. But before we do that I want to sing a song that we sang just a few minutes ago. But I don't want to sing it out of tradition. Listen this is a Christmas song. That many of you have memorized. And you have it so memorized that when we sang it a few minutes ago that you went the direction that you knew and not the direction of what Brother Ed was leading us in. Because we have it that memorized. I want you to take a moment and just break the familiarity of it, break the memorization of it, and look at the words for what it says. We're going to sing the Christmas carol, Angels We Have Heard on High. But when we get to that part, the chorus, and listen, my throat, by the, by the way, those who are praying, thank you so much, because if you would have heard me about 10 hours ago, I had no voice. But when we get to that chorus, where it says glorious, or Gloria in excelsis Deo, we're saying the same things that the angels shouted out in the heavens. Because the Savior, the humble King, was born. And so my question to you is this, is as you sing this song, will that excitement just explode from you? Because why? We're praising the name of Jesus, that our Savior, the one who's going to die and ultimately give us life, has been born. The humility of a king to step down. May we be like the shepherds as we sing this song about the shepherds and about Jesus. May we be like the shepherds who had a humble heart just to bow before the King and praise His holy name. So let us sing this song and follow the words. We're going to do verse 1 and 2. 
And then we're going to sing the chorus. So let us sing. Amen. Angels, we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plain, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strain. So birds, why this why your joyous strain belong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? Gloria in excelsis Deo. Christmas. You're singing the song of the angels. The one that proclaimed that the Savior is being born today. So let me ask you these questions today as we close. Do you have joy when you think about the Savior being born? As Brother Fred prayed, joy to the world. The Lord has come. When you think about the fact of what Christmas is all about, do you begin to just overflood with joy? Because let me just explain to you that if this process would not have taken place, if Philippians chapter 2 would not have taken place, we would have no joy whatsoever. We would have no joy. But Jesus stepping down and being born of a virgin, it gives us great joy because of what has taken place and that our King loved us enough that he would come and die for us. Do you run straight to the Savior or do you try always to clean yourself up? I pray today that you'll stop trying and that you'll trust him. That you'll run to the Savior and let him, as you study the word of God, as you seek the Savior, as you find more and more of who he is right here in the word of God, let this wash over you and let it change you. Instead of you trying to change based on self-helps and, and all the cultural things that are out there. Let the Word of God, let the Savior be the one that changes you. Follow the shepherds and their example that they were so excited that Jesus was in the house. That they ran as fast and as quick as they could. Do you follow the Good Shepherd? Do you know His voice? 
And if you don't, his voice is right here in the word of God as I just held up. Do you know the word? Do you let his voice, do you follow him? If you don't know him today, I pray that today will be the day of salvation. And let me ask you this. Are you changed when you meet the Savior? And if you're not, if you can come into a place and hear the gospel and hear the words of truth and hear what God is speaking and breathing out and nothing has changed, let me just tell you something. It's not this. It's us. We have to be in a place of humility and have ears that we can hear as the shepherds did. We have to fall before the great I am and say, God, speak to us. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak to me. My favorite verse, Psalms 139, search me and know me, O Lord, and show me any evil way about me. God, wash over me. God, speak to me. A book that I still cannot finish, and I've tried so many times, Heart Cry for Revival by Stephen Olford. I'll never forget the words that he penned out, that we will not see revival until we get to a place where we say, oh, what a wretched man that I am, and we fall on our face before a living God. You say, David, I'm just... You know, the the word of God's being spoken, but nothing's happened to me. Then let me ask you, what place are you in? Are you in a place of humility before the great I am? As the shepherds were. Does it change you? Do you leave rejoicing and praising the King of kings and the Lord of lords because of what he's done? He truly is a good shepherd. He truly is a good, good father.